Hare Krishna, it's uh, really lovely to be here. Uh, anyway, and uh, I'd like to introduce you to another Chaitanya Prabhu. I brought him uh, with, well, no, he met me here. He was uh, in Hungary, I was in Vrindavan, uh, and we met halfway. <laughs> He's, uh, he's actually from the UK, and his family is from the Punjab, and before that, I don't know. <laughs> uh, in any case, yes, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been some years since uh, we've really seen each other and met, and uh, we never, uh, never expected that uh, something like that uh, would actually happen 2020. Uh, February, I was in Mayapur and I was hearing about this. Some virus all around in uh, China. Uh, anyway, where's China? It's somewhere else. But all of a sudden, it was in our back corner and uh, I got on a plane and uh, I managed to get, there was an English devotee who was with me. We came to Dubai. Uh, I got on the last plane from Dubai to Budapest. Uh, the uh, airline officials told him that, sorry, you can't go. Uh, you're from the UK, go to the UK. So uh, they were kind enough to put him on a flight uh, to London. Uh, all of a sudden, it was just like a scramble. So who knows what happens? Uh, our, our world is such an uh, unpredictable place. Uh, no doubt we really enjoyed uh, quite a bit of stability, uh, a high level of uh, quality life uh, over the last 70 years since the conclusion of the earlier, earlier war, Second World War. And, uh, and we'd like to think that it's just always going to keep on going and going and going. Uh, who was I talking to someone about this concept uh, of uh, sustainable development? We've always known about the idea of uh, development is that we want, we want life for us when we were over at Denny's, uh, at Robbie's place. And we're talking about sustainable development. Um, that's always been the idea, especially it's uh, really led by the Western world, that uh, our lifestyle and uh, the quality of our life should be ever increasing, which is sort of nice theory. Theories don't take energy, they don't cost money, uh, and we don't need any resources for them. All I need is a brain, and, uh, and there are lots of good brains in the world. However, this uh, concept, which is always, every, everybody is going to have an increasingly higher lifestyle, better lifestyle, and something that's going to sweep the world. Now, the concept has certainly swept the world. Uh, in, it's there in India. Uh, of course, it's certainly there in China, it's there in uh, Asia, Africa, and, uh, and it's there in the 
on the rest of the uh, world. And over the last 15 years, 20 years, this concept of sustainability has actually come into, into play. Very often it's uh, something we talk about. And then sometimes for real, people actually try to live it, a way of life that's actually sustainable. And, uh, and that has become good politics uh, recently to weather two things together, development and sustainability. Because obviously, if you develop, uh, we finally came to the realization that we need resources to keep developing. And uh, you know, we have a planet that's uh, 25,000 miles in uh, a circumference. And that's as big as it is. It's not growing. Although we grow, uh, the planet doesn't uh, grow. And life doesn't resources grow just the opposite. We continually deplete the resources. And so where does, uh, where, where do all the, uh, where does the, where do the minerals, uh, where does the wood, where does the food, uh, where do all of the different supplies come for this sort of increasing uh, the, uh, lifestyle? That's a good question. And then on top of that, uh, if we had this sustainability, that people say, all right, but we should develop sustainably. In other words, it's something that maintains both our environment uh, and it's something that we can also sustain uh, the uh, development. But, uh, but it doesn't work uh, because of just this very fact that our resources are limited and we've already gone beyond the uh, ability of this planet to provide for those people who are really enjoying uh, You know, for instance, the United States, the example of the United States, uh, not because it's a favored place, but because uh, it's, it's where all these great ideas come from. Generally, you know, all these bright ideas come uh, from the West. And, uh, and also it's because due to their karma, they really have sort of the highest standard of living. 5% of the world's population and they're enjoying 25% of the resources. So you don't have to be very good at math to just calculate that, well, what about the other 95% of the world? They're only left with 75% of the resources, so they're never going to be living at that lifestyle. And the idea that we keep selling uh, this idea to who knows what to uh, some poor farmers either in Africa, in India, or somewhere else, that they are also going to live like the way they see people living in uh, movies, uh, uh, perhaps. Guests like to come in. You're very welcome to come in. Please come, come this way. We're a sustainability expert over here. And, uh, and so it doesn't work. Uh, and as 
as a result, uh, something has to give. And if you see this, this virus is, we you know, without speculating on what the cause, where it came from, and so on, but something gave, that's for sure. Uh, something that uh, doesn't belong uh, in human society certainly entered it, uh, killed six million people, uh, and caused, we don't even know actually the degree of havoc that it's actually causing, because while we were just starting to evaluate the problems of COVID, and all of a sudden the war came along down the road uh, in uh, Ukraine, and now uh, we're already uh, obsessed with that. Yesterday I saw a BBC article, Can India Feed the World? That's what it's called. Because uh, Russia and Ukraine were a source of so much wheat, uh, the next producer is India. Uh, but can India actually, uh, actually do that? So really interesting that uh, the country where, you know, the propaganda 50 years ago was that everyone's starting in the streets and this is a country of poor people. Now all of a sudden, they're the ones who are feeding the world. So sustainable, this concept that uh, there's such a thing as sustainable development is, is not a uh, reality. Uh, actually, what sustainable development and sustainability relates to is actually our own spiritual development. How do we sustain our inner growth? So if we were just as enthusiastic uh, about our inner development uh, as external development, then uh, people would be really well off. And there's no shortage of resources. When you go within, then as much as you mine your own consciousness, purify your heart, uh, become absorbed uh, in glorification of the Lord, there's there's no shortage. It's actually unlimited. So one of Krishna's names is Ananta. Ananta means there's no limit. So there is no limit of resources. And that was actually, and hopefully is, India's gift and message uh, to the world, uh, is that real development for human beings is meant to be an internal affair. And externally, we're meant, to, we're meant to live comfortably in a way that the resources can replenish themselves because this planet is such an extraordinary uh, entity uh, that the trees uh, keep uh, growing, coming back, seasons come and grow, and that means that uh, all of the produce, uh, they keep growing again and again fruit and the vegetables. It's a wonderful arrangement that uh, Krishna has actually made. Om Purnam, Adha Purnam, 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 Jyoti, Purnasya, Purnam, Everything is Purna. Everything in this world is complete and perfect. We just have to, human beings have to harmonize. It isn't that that's 
such a uh, novelty for us because for the most part, for the history of humanity, we have harmonized. And it's been really in the last 250, 300 years since the Industrial Revolution that this idea of growth, external growth, has made people obsessed. And it was actually fed by science. It was fed by this concept of science that science will always give you all the different tools uh, in order to fulfill your needs. Uh, came up along with airplanes and rockets. Well, the atom bombs weren't so helpful, uh, but then we got computers and telephones, and now we got AI down the road, uh, and and everyone knows and sees uh, everyone, but some uh, know and see everything that we do, think, want, and so on. So Big Brother is now a reality, except it's not just Big Brother, but it's Google, it's Amazon, and uh, so on, they know. Uh, and this idea uh, that, yes, uh, there is a possibility for people to enjoy their senses more and more and more. Uh, and this has come also uh, from the new thinkers, generally atheistic, uh, thinkers, those who deny the existence of God uh, and deny the existence of a soul uh, and propound that, well, we're only living once in this world, so we should enjoy ourselves while we're here because we're not coming back. Now, of course, that's not the truth of the affair. We are actually going to be coming back and we're going to be getting the results of our past activities. Whether some people believe in that or not, that's, that's their own uh, personal uh, commitment. Uh, and uh, so we have a history of uh, development just in the recent centuries where all of a sudden man has become really disjointed from his environment. And uh, Hare Krishna, please come in. And uh, he has this uh, mistaken conception that uh, he's actually going to control the environment. Who told me the other day that uh, they were going to seed the clouds over here so that we get more rain? And thinking that if you do this, it's not going to affect something else, that perhaps, perhaps we'll get rain here, but it takes away from rain somewhere else because the clouds we're meant to go somewhere, and we're meant to give rain somewhere. If we take it here, it will take away from somewhere else. And uh, it's, uh, it's a very intoxicating uh, way of life. Uh, we actually become intoxicated uh, by this sort of lifestyle, and the real inner development uh, that uh, our life is meant to be about, it's, uh, it's going out the window. People don't believe in religion anymore. Uh, many people are turning 
more towards spirituality than religion. And what spirituality? Well, everyone has their own definition of what it is. It can be believing in spirits, it can be believing in some kind of energy. They have reasons. Uh, they see so much destruction around the world that has historically and continues to happen in the name of religion, in the name of uh, God. And uh, of course, one good thing in our world today is that people are thinkers and they want cohesive, logical, reasonable answers uh, for the, both the questions of life and for things like the nature of our own existence. Uh, who are we? Uh, all right, if God exists, then where is God? What does he look like? What is my relationship? Uh, and so on. And if they don't get intelligent answers, then they tend to reject the whole concept uh, of religion. And unfortunately, very often, they're faced with certain type of dogma. You just have to have faith, and that's it. Of course, you do have to have faith. We have faith in everything. Everyone gets in the car uh, on the basis of the faith that uh, they're going to get to their destination and not have an accident. Uh, you don't think about it, but it's an underlying conviction, underlying belief uh, that I'm going to uh, get there. So every activity is based on faith, and similarly the knowledge and worship of the Supreme is also that, but not exclusively. There is also knowledge behind that. Uh, there is protection dharma. Uh, there is direct perception by realization, as Krishna says. So, in the midst of all of this hubbub uh, uh, for having a better and better life, uh, people have invented psychiatrists. Uh, they have all kinds of different medication so that they can sleep, get up, stay awake, uh, not have nervous breakdowns, treat nervous breakdowns. Uh, it's a sociological, uh, psychological phenomena uh, that's certainly increasing more and more. And it not just points at the reality, but it screams at the reality that what you're talking about is that life is getting better and better is not what is happening. It's uh, not the reality. The reality is that somehow or another something is going amiss. So, Srila uh, Prabhupada, uh, my uh, spiritual master, he gave this example of a bird in a cage, Hare Krishna. Uh, and uh, you have a bird in the cage, and you, the analogy is that the cage is the uh, body, and the bird is the soul. So you polish the cage, and you keep polishing the cage, so the cage looks very nice, but you don't feed the bird. And this is what the world that we live in seems to be emphasizing, and as a result of that, uh, we, uh, spirit souls, were becoming uh, more and more disturbed. Uh, and of course, the soul doesn't die. 
but uh, in effect, the soul sort of lives a death uh, in that uh, the real development and the real life that uh, sustains and gives energy to the soul is being completely neglected. So it's a uh, it's a very extraordinary world uh, that we live in, and I was just uh, starting off with the idea that we never know what's going to happen. So three years ago, I didn't know what was going to happen, and since then I have been able to come here, and, and where you all got your own stories, tied up in your home, wearing masks, you got to wear masks. Who wore a mask in the past? You walk in the store with a mask, they call the police, there's a robber over there. <laughs> That's the only people who wore masks. Now everybody's got to wear a mask. Uh, we're further confined uh, by some type of reaction. And all of a sudden, there are these people in, in Ukraine. Uh, you know, our Christian consciousness movement there in Ukraine was actually the most successful uh, development uh, in all of Europe. 15,000 devotees, you can just imagine, in that country. There were 15,000 devotees. Uh, they had uh, temples all over the country. Uh, in some of those temples, now Russian soldiers have taken up residence. They have uh, ongoing centers, uh, organized counselor system, uh, extremely, extremely efficient, well-managed. Uh, it was a, uh, and all of a sudden, of course, this is not just Krishna, but this whole country of 40 million people, their whole lives just can't say change. Their whole lives were destroyed. Uh, just in a matter of days, just one day, one day they were surrounded uh, by someone who was uh, doing exercises, and the next day uh, everything changed. And we don't know, we never know uh, what can happen. So we want things to be going on, going on, but the likelihood of that is, is quite small. Small from the point of view, that, as I mentioned, that the resources aren't there, the other is, if we look back at history, I mean, look at history, there's no such thing as just ever, ever going peaceful life. Uh, there's always something or another, either it's a war, either it's a plague, either it's an economic crisis, it's something, something's happening. And of course, part of that happening is, uh, is that it's a, it's a necessity. Uh, people in the world having neglected actually the uh, development of the soul, having neglected the laws of God living in harmony with nature, are incurring bad karma. So what happens when you incur bad karma? Where does it go? It doesn't just like disappear. Okay, bad karma, that was a bad thing that I did. Bad karma means uh, that it's a reaction that both individually and collectively, which may be nationally, globally, and so on, uh, starts to actually build up, uh, build up on a, well, I can't do it, on a scale. Uh, and when the bad karma uh, becomes weight, weightier than the good karma, then the scales tip. And when they tip, something happens. Some major reaction happens, 
that affects countries, that affects the world. And of course, we see that on a microscopic scale in our own lives. Uh, when you live in harmony uh, with nature, when you live in harmony with the way things are, you've got a good uh, chance of things being uh, things being relatively stable, things uh, happening the way that uh, they should. But when we start contravening, then we can expect that we're going to get uh, all kinds of unfavorable things, which means that uh, sickness and, and with so many problems in life, uh, and you know that these things uh, come along. So, uh, so Krishna tells us, Dukalayam, Shashvata. This material world is Dukalayam, and it is for a Duke, for misery, and it is a Shashvata. Everything is temporary, nothing is so we uh, we need to on one side be prepared and not not be caught unaware uh, that uh, something uh, may may be coming that something may be coming around the corner and uh, on the other side, uh, we should uh, concentrate on this inner spiritual development, uh, which is something that is really uh, with unlimited resources uh, that has actually no uh, limit, and that puts into balance uh, this whole concept of sustainability. We need to be inwardly sustainable, and when we're sustainable in the way that we live within, naturally our consciousness will be such uh, that our external lives are also uh, going to be uh, sustainable. And for that, uh, the chanting of the names of God is what has been recommended uh, in this age as Kalo Nastieva, 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 so it's the only way. Uh, whatever name of God someone may have, they can chant, but it has to be the real name of God. Uh, and by that, then actually our inner development uh, starts to uh, manifest. Uh, you know, 500 years ago, uh, everyone knows about Krishna, who appeared 5,000 years ago. Uh, interestingly, even uh, in India, most people still don't know about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and those who do consider him to be a uh, great saint or maybe some kind of avatar. But no, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha Krishna Nahi Anya. He is Krishna himself. So Krishna come, but Krishna come in a different mold. 5,000 years ago Krishna came as the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita. It's always there. Shri Bhagavan Vacha. So here is Bhagavan. But when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, he didn't come in the mood of Bhagavan, but he came in the mood of Bhagavan Bhakta. Bhakta. Uh, he came in the mood of the Supreme Lord 
who has actually appeared as a devotee, has his own devotee, as a devotee of Krishna. Uh, because that way, uh, Krishna is able to both enjoy what it means to be worshipped and what it means to worship. So therefore, he gets benefit of uh, both of those. And uh, when Lord Chaitanya appeared in uh, Bengal, circa 500 years ago, uh, then his main focus was to introduce the chanting of Krishna's name, this Maha Mantra, uh, as it's described in scripture, uh, the great mantra uh, of deliverance. So, uh, first in his youth, after uh, when Lord Chaitanya was uh, 24 years old, uh, he circled all of South India, uh, going down the east, uh, eastern coast, the east side, coming up the western side, crossing over Vaidya Pratesh, uh, and uh, then coming back up to Jagannath Puri, where he made his base, and whoever he met, whether they were or Buddhists, or atheists, smartas, or followers of Ramanujacharya, uh, or uh, Madhavacharya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, encouraged them that they should worship Krishna by the chanting of the holy name. And that he did the same thing by uh, touring North India, going up to Bengal in the north and coming up, and then going up all the way to Vrindavan and coming back. Uh, along the uh, side of the Ganga, shore of the Ganga. So uh, this uh, Sankatan movement, what is called the chanting of Krishna's name, if uh, devotees could turn the telephones off, that would make for good harmony for all the listeners as well. And uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu not only envisaged that uh, everyone in India should be chanting the holy name of Krishna, but everyone throughout the world. And so 1965, he came to the West, and of course, you know, he established what we now have is the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. It's been enjoying uh, lot of support here in Dubai, so even here in the desert, people are chanting Hare Krishna uh, in, uh, in a place that you wouldn't necessarily expect, because this is, uh, this is the home of the entire Muslim nation, many, many Muslim nations. Uh, I uh, regularly visit uh, Turkey, uh, another uh, Islamic nation, very uh, very, very many devotees, actually, and they are all, I don't know if I should record it saying it, but they were all Muslims, and now they became Hindus, now they became Hare Krishnas, initiated devotees, very serious, very learned, very expert. So uh, that chanting is going on, uh, it's going on around the world, and it is bringing about it's uh, bringing about a revolution uh, within the hearts uh, of those who practice uh, and they get to experience actually a real resurgence, a real development, not economic development, but spiritual development. And that spiritual development doesn't require 
psychiatrist feels or any other type of therapy. Uh, it's therapeutic of its own uh, and it uh, satisfies the soul. Jain Atma Supersiddhati. This is what Srila Prabhupada says. Uh, how do I know that, uh, that I've eaten enough? Well, since I've been here, I definitely eaten enough. And I know it. Why? Because I'm full. No one has to tell me. So similarly, Jainatma Supersiddhati. How do you know that this inner development is going on? Because I'm experiencing it. So I experience that. So we're going to chant Hare Krishna uh, now uh, a little. And uh, it gives an opportunity to also experience the power of the holy name. And you all know the mantra. I'm going to move a little further back so I can lean against the wall. Uh, otherwise, yeah, that would be better. Set it up over there. And uh, anyone have any quick questions? Of what 
India's culture is really all about has in one sense sort of evaded India itself. Uh, in other words, the real siddhanta or conclusion, you know, uh, India's scriptures, well not just scriptures, but the basis of everything in India is the Vedas. So what is the purpose of the Vedas? Who wrote the Vedas? Krishna gives a, a very clear answer in Bhagavad Gita. He says, I am the purpose of the Vedas. Now, do we believe that? And, and do we understand that? Uh, we see, for instance, Sripad Shankaracharya, when he appeared, he distorted the meaning of uh, Vedic literature uh, and uh, he gave an impersonal uh, understanding. Uh, and of course, that impersonal understanding sort of disappears off into some kind of spirituality that, you know, we're all spirit, but there's no supreme spirit. Uh, or if there is, it is just a conglomeration of all the individual little spirits. So it requires uh, real proper education, and that is part of what Srila Prabhupada wanted uh, is uh, to revive the original culture and science uh, of the spirit and science of God. Not belief, but it's a science. It's a spiritual science. Uh, and that's why we are distributing Srila Prabhupada's books, Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, this was his main, uh, main focus to present these books. And, you know, we have them translated into 70 languages around the world. But, of course, they're there in I don't know, 13 langu uh, Indian languages. Uh, so that people in India can again remember, well, what is Hinduism all about? Where does it really come from? And what was there before? Someone on the other side of a river started calling us Hindus. Uh, what is actually the essential nature of our beliefs. So, yes, you're right. It's, uh, it's something that really requires attention. And for that reason, Lord Chaitanya said uh, that Bharata Bhumiti Manusa Janmaja, that if you are born in Bharat, which is India, then you have a special duty. You, your duty, uh, you have a special duty, a special responsibility to take responsibility for educating the people of the world. Because where does Krishna appear? Krishna appears in India. So the incarnations, where do they appear? Ramanujacharya, Madhavacharya, Nimbarka, Vishnu Swami, so many great, everyone appears in India. So this is actually the responsibility also of Indians. But obviously, if you're going to teach, you also have to know what you're teaching. Uh, I had a question. Is that this your gentleman? Yes. Okay, I heard, I heard about you. <laughs> uh, I had this question. What's that your name? Uh, my name is Daksh. Uh, my question was that I've seen that uh, like Prabhu Nityananda, uh, he wears the color uh, uh, blue uh, and uh, a lot of different people wear different colors like Krishna wears a yellow dhoti. So is there a significance behind these colors that they wear and the clothes that they wear? That's their preference. 
Why do you wear those pants? <laughs> Everyone's here dressed according to how they like. So we dress according to preference because Lord Nityananda, Lord Chaitanya, Krishna, Balaram, they are God and God is a person. And just like we have a preference for things, they have a preference. So they have preference for what they, the way they eat, the way he dresses, uh, the people he associates with, Krishna likes cows. That's his preference. And that's what he likes to do best. He'll do other things. You know, he will go on the Kurukshetra uh, battlefield and he'll drive Arjun's chariot. He likes to do that also for Arjun. But what he likes to do best is to herd cows. Why? Because that's what he likes to do. I mean, some people like to play football, other people like to play cricket. He likes to take care of cows. So, and he plays balls and he wrestles with his friends and he is a person and that's a very important thing to understand that when we're talking about God, we're not talking about some energy, some philosophical conception, we're talking about the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. Uh, and we are little persons. So that gives us a, a little idea of just what the unlimited Supreme Person can be like. Uh, and yes, he, he has these preferences as well. Uh, one more question. Uh, why did Radha and Krishna ever marry each other? Say that again. Why did Radha and Krishna ever marry each other? Do you chant 16 rounds? I chant, uh, I started chanting. Okay, you chant 16 rounds and then come ask the question. <laughs> You're doing well. So, Mijay? Yes, sir. Uh, You're back there. Yes. yes. Back Chaitanya Charitamrita. Uh, 
can't remember. But Balaram is about that. He's Krishna. He's the first incarnation or expansion of Krishna, but still, he's actually in the mood of devotee. Everyone is a devotee. Everyone is a devotee of Krishna. Either you know it or you don't know it. So uh, that then becomes the reality, and when we speak about uh, all the demigods, uh, Ganesh and uh, uh, Lord Shiva and uh, so on, Durga Devi, they are all devotees. This is what Vedas say. Maybe people say something else, but that's people. Uh, but uh, the truth of the matter is that ultimately all of the devatas, and there are 33 million devatas, uh, they are all devotees of Krishna. And they're best worshipped in the mood of a devotee. When they're worshipped in the mood of supreme, uh, then they become very upset, and you get the opposite result. So, um, in Gaudiya Vaishnava temples, generally speaking, when you go in India, you will always see Lord Shiva is there. Vaishnavanam yata shambhu. Because of Vaishnavas, Lord Shiva is considered to be the supreme, the best, the best Vaishnava. So, and in order to approach the supreme Lord, you have to go through devotees. Yes, you have to go through bhakta. So let's chant a little, Hare Krishna. When you said uh, that uh, Krishna is the person, unlimited person, but by saying that he's a person, aren't we limiting him? I mean, he is omnipresent, he is everywhere. And he's a person. But he's a person. When you say he's not a person, you're limiting him. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying he's an unlimited person, so there's no... Unlimited doesn't mean that it's, not, it's endless. It's endless in the sense uh, that he has unlimited potencies uh, and unlimited qualities, but at the same time he's tangible. Unlimited doesn't mean he's not tangible. And therefore, when we have pictures of Krishna, Krishna standing, here's Krishna, here's Nanti, so that's what he looks like. In other words, Krishna can come here and Brahma Sanghita says, Andantarasta Paramanu Chayantarasta, which means that he's the supreme person. He, he, along with everything material and spiritual, is present within every atom. You, you have to think what the consequence of that is. That means that if you know Krishna is here and he's sitting here where Nanda Chaitanya uh, Prabhu is sitting in this form. That means he's here and you see his outside, and yet at the same time we are also inside him. It's inconceivable. Inconceivable because, believe it or not, we're very small, we're very in uh, insignificant by comparison to the power of the Supreme. And so yes, he has a tangible, visible form, but he's unlimited, uh, and he's the cause of everything. So I'm going to just uh, sit down and chant before... Uh, so.
everyone else raises their hand. And uh, let's all sit. Uh, we can chat a little later, so let's chat together. Such a lively group. And then, uh, and then after that, uh, we'll continue. Although I have to sort of depart sometime around 7 uh, for another program. Uh, Saturday, that's our last, not last, Saturday we're leaving. Saturday we're leaving. Uh, so it's lovely to see so many people. Thank you so much for taking the trouble to come. And uh, now let's acknowledge Hare Krishna. Jai Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.